Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hi, everybody. Cheryl Atkinson here. Welcome to another summer edition of Full Measure After Hours. Today, what's really behind the fake fact checks and dangerous efforts to teach our kids what some special interests call media literacy. I am officially on the road working this summer to begin researching and shooting great, amazing original stories for our seventh season of Full Measure coming up this September. We are in reruns this week, this Sunday, June 27th. It will be the program in which the incredible Scott Thuman took a look at all of these discussions about changing elections. Both Democrats and Republicans after the 2020 election discussed the need for some kind of reform. They have pretty much opposite ideas of what reforms are needed and what's necessary. He takes a look at both sides, what both sides are talking about doing, and the likelihood of change at the federal level. Also, a great report, I think, that I did my second visit to Fort Detrick, where we have the best and brightest military physicians and scientists working on the problems of COVID-19 and other biological threats. This is really ground zero for a lot of the work and the research, whether it's on vaccines or other therapeutics. This is where the original samples of COVID-19 exist, whereby other researchers who need to use it for research, they can get it from Fort Detrick under special conditions. Anyway, I'm visiting back with their chief virologist, really brilliant guy who proved to be spot on on a lot of topics early on when I first interviewed him at the beginning of the COVID pandemic. He's Dr. John Dye, and a lot of his advice and thoughts and educated predictions about the pandemic proved to be correct where other public health officials and other media reports proved not to be. So he's a pretty good and reliable source given the track record. And I went back to visit with him to talk about what we've learned since the beginning of the pandemic, to talk about things such as how long vaccine immunity is expected to last, how long natural immunity, if you get COVID-19, is expected to last, what we're learning about all of that. He also talks about alternative treatments for COVID-19 illness, other research that's going on to try to crack that nut and maybe help in the future if there's another pandemic. Anyway, he's a great resource for information. We'll be replaying that interview as well. And then a fun piece I did when I was out west about Custer's Last Stand. I visited the place where that occurred. And if you're like me, I'm not really a history buff, although I do enjoy learning about it. But I've heard my whole life about Custer's Last Stand, but I never really knew what was behind it and what it was about. Well, we get a tour at the actual place where all of this happened from somebody who knows a lot about it, and he'll kind of dig into Custer's Last Stand for us. For our podcast today, I wanted to look at a really relevant cover story that I did. And I'm not trying to brag, but I'm 
letting you know that when I do stories on full measure, a lot of times we are way ahead of the curve, sort of on the leading edge of a trend that may be coming. And if you watch full measure or look back at the cover stories we've done, maybe you know this, but I did a cover story back in the March of 2019 time period that talks about this brave new world in the information age where it's kind of tough to know what's real. And all of these movements to supposedly help us sort through all of it, to teach our kids media literacy, as they say, to curate our information and call out supposed fake news. All of it, of course, sounds like a great idea. Who doesn't want their news straight up? But as I reported, what if many of those efforts are actually attempts to control the narrative, not honest attempts to provide accurate information, but attempts that are controlled by special interests, political interests, and corporate interests to make sure we don't see certain information, even if it's true and accurate, or don't hear certain opinions, or don't know about certain scientific studies? I called the cover story that I did looking into this phenomenon, I called it The Curators. Here is the beginning of that piece. In January, the website BuzzFeed had a bombshell. Anonymous sources claim President Trump instructed his attorney to lie to Congress and that special counsel Robert Mueller had the goods. It wasn't long before Mueller took an unusual step, publicly denying it. I think that the BuzzFeed piece was a disgrace to our country. That's Donald Trump, by the way. The press screwed up, and they should apologize, and, and that, you know, the media isn't as great as it thinks it is. I mean, That's Jeffrey Tubin, by the way, appearing on CNN. This is a bad day for the news media. I mean, let's not kid ourselves. BuzzFeed stands by its report. Whatever the case, it underscores how it's getting harder to separate fact from fiction in the news. Now there are unprecedented efforts by third parties to curate information for you. Some even want to give lessons to first graders on how to sort through fake news between math and reading. So again, this is one of those trends, as I've traced in my second book, The Smear. This is a trend that began in the 2016 time period. And I'm not talking about there are some legitimate media literacy efforts that are more longstanding, but... The new ones that have cropped up and even laws that are being pushed in some states and in other countries, by the way, these are being pressed by special interests, sometimes corporations, sometimes political interests, for the purpose of trying to slant the message that kids are getting in school and they're being taught all the way to what we're seeing and getting on social media and on the news. And in some of these places, you can tell it's conflicted because if you look at the curriculum, they're teaching kids things such as, here's how to find news that you can believe. Look for it in an established source such as the New York Times. If you see it in a place that is not well-established, maybe an off-brand publication, stay away from that. Go to the New York Times and the Washington Post. Well, of course, recent history shows us that much reporting, not just a little bit, but much reporting in those so-called trusted sources like the New York Times and the Washington Post has proven to be either horribly slanted or completely and entirely wrong. Some of you know that I have a list of these so-called media mistakes in the era of Trump and now in the era of Biden. You can find that at CherylAckeson.com. Go to the home page and then hover over the special investigations tab and you will see media mistakes, Biden era, 
and media mistakes on Trump. You can look at these, really this sordid history of media mistakes made by, as I like to say, formerly well-respected news organizations. So for my story, I dug into this a little bit with some people who know, including a woman named Katie Grimes. She's an investigative journalist in California. That's one of the states where lawmakers have been pushing for new laws, laws to root out what they consider fake news and to teach media literacy in public schools. Of course, the question is, who decides what's real when it's a matter that's in dispute? And who is it who gets to call the shots? Here's Katie Grimes. I think we, we've seen a lot of history in the past when you've got governments that try to control media. We've got governments around the world still trying to control media, and it's, uh, it's limiting what the populations who live there get. Is it sort of a new trend in your experience to see government stepping in and saying that it has a role to play? and helping sort through or curate information for us? Yes, this seems to be a very new role and it's extremely disturbing. They're trying to pass a bill that would require schools to you know, teach children some idea of what fake news is. And I think that's a, just a giant red flag. President Obama first drew national attention to the notion that somebody needed to start curating information. It was less than a month before the 2016 election Liberal interests had already introduced the phrase fake news to criticize campaign-driven conspiracy theories. I'm pausing the story right there to elaborate on that a little bit because, again, I traced the use, the modern use of the phrase fake news in my second book, The Smear, to its origins. What's most interesting is if you ask people, a lot of people think that the fake news phrase was introduced by Donald Trump. And in fact, as I like to say, it was just a hostile takeover of the phrase because it was actually brought to the information landscape by liberal interests. I traced it through a nonprofit called First Draft that in fall of 2016 started using that phrase and discussing how we had to curate news. And when you look at this nonprofit's website, every example it had of supposed fake news was, of course, from conservative sites and none from liberal sites, as if there is no fake news conducted by mainstream and liberal sites. And when I called First Draft to ask where their funding came from, because I find oftentimes that if you follow the money, you learn a lot, they acknowledged that their money came from Google. And Google's parent company is Alphabet. Alphabet was run at the time by a man named Eric Schmidt, who is a huge Hillary Clinton supporter, fan, and donor. So again, this effort to talk about fake news and start to control it was launched by liberal interests via Google in the 2016 time period. And pretty soon after that, President Obama got on board with the effort and talked about the need to curate information. And then the media, you can look at headlines almost every day, they jumped on that train and started talking about fake news. And again, this was always in the context in the beginning of conservative fake news, as if that's where the problem was and there was never any liberal fake news. But as Donald Trump started pointing out his version or his definition of fake news, which was um, in the form of these media mistakes being made by mainstream media publications like the New York Times and the Washington Post, all of these errors in their reporting, he called that fake news. And he co-opted the term so successfully that by about January of 2017, the Washington Post was crying uncle and saying, well, we need to retire this phrase, fake news. 
the one that liberal interests had introduced because Donald Trump was so successful, I think, at taking control of it. Back to my cover story on the topic, you will hear President Obama making this announcement back in a time, if you can go back just a couple of years in 2016, this was unheard of, this notion that we needed or wanted someone to come in and curate our information for us. Nobody was clamoring for that. But here's President Obama at Carnegie Mellon making a speech where he introduces the topic. We're going to have to rebuild within this wild, wild west of information flow some sort of curating function that people agree to. That's October 16th, 2016, by the way. So shortly before the election, when Donald Trump opponents saw that despite everything they had done to control the information landscape, at least on the news, that Donald Trump was still quite popular and was still gaining ground, even though pretty much every media outlet was saying that he should not be voted for and that he was dangerous. So this was a reckoning that Trump opponents, and particularly the left, were having in terms of how can we now attack the internet where we think Donald Trump is getting his stronghold support since we've been able to control virtually every other outlet of information. How can we now control the internet? Back to the story. With the president's announcement, an organized effort grew. According to the advocacy group Media Literacy Now, which is pushing for new laws, 10 states considered media literacy legislation last year alone. Sponsors of three California bills, Senators Richard Pan, Hannah Beth Jackson, and Bill Dodd, wouldn't sit down for interviews to discuss their proposals with us. Ultimately, only one of the bills was signed into law, one requiring the state to provide media literacy resources for public school teachers. We did get the chance to talk to California Senator John Morlock, who told us the legislative efforts are politically driven. There are proposals to teach media literacy in public schools. What is your feeling about that? Well, two things. One is the state legislature has not reacted well to the election of Donald Trump to the presidency of the United States. So there are a lot of barbs that keep being thrown that way. But two, our educational system isn't something to brag about necessarily. I'd be happy if they we could teach our kids to read, you know, do math and and understand, you know, basic science concepts uh, than to worry about fake news. Breaking away from that cover story for a moment, I've spoken to a lot of parents who feel the same way. They believe that the schools have their hands full enough trying to teach the basics, let alone to get into the business of thinking they can explain and teach to kids and should explain and teach to kids how to supposedly root out fake news and become media literate. Again, these efforts tend to be fraught with conflicts of interest because it depends on who you listen to in terms of what media outlets are credible. Another example is there are still places that are teaching kids to go to the fact check site Snopes, whereas Snopes has been hopelessly conflicted. They've put out false, provably false information, a lot of politically biased information. It's not to say that everything on Snopes is wrong, because on some topics they're spot on, but unfortunately, much like Wikipedia and other information sources mixed within it, are all kinds of information that's conflicted and incorrect. So another expert on this that I spoke to for my story on the curators is a really smart guy named Mickey Huff. Mickey Huff runs a California-based 
project called Project Censored. That's a media watchdog group that's been teaching college-focused media literacy, the real kind, since 1976. And by the real kind, I mean they really are teaching young people how to critically think. They're not telling them what to think, and they're not telling them that they have to go to these traditional sources to understand what to believe. They're teaching them more about the thinking process. So here is director of Project Censored, Mickey Huff, who is wary of some of the newer efforts. Uh, I can't, however, help but be suspicious because the way in which that that these things have been rolled out and media literacy is now a buzz phrase, right? The whole fighting of fake news has become a Trojan horse to propel other agendas. And in in the name of telling us what is fake news, um, we're also seeing more censorship, whether, again, it's algorithmically, through bots, through filter, uh, filter bubbles, um, whether it's outsourcing fact, or, you know, fact checkers, right, like Snopes or PolitiFact. More on these efforts to curate our information and more from Project Censored's Mickey Huff right after a short break. Do you have something to say and want to make your own podcast? Let me tell you how to do that for free with Anchor. Anchor has creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. You can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's all you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. We're back, and I'm speaking with Mickey Huff, the director of California-based Project Censored, a left-leaning but very honest media watchdog group that's been teaching college-focused media literacy since 1976. He's talking with me about these newer Johnny-come-lately efforts on supposed media literacy, media curation, and fake news, and he's skeptical of some of them. But do you suspect there are special interests behind some of these efforts that are actually trying to shape opinion and do the opposite of what they say they're trying to do? Absolutely. In the name of fighting fake news is purposely suppressing certain views, certain narratives, certain sources, right? And so at Project Censored, we believe that that is a very problematic effort. Um, It unfortunately does get to masquerade in sort of a do-good capacity. In other words, who's going to be against media literacy if we're trying to fight fake news? It sounds good. Sounds fantastic, until you realize how certain groups are doing it. On the front lines are college students like Edward Jacobs. He took an independent pilot course in media literacy last year while he was in high school. What did he learn? To be skeptical of the curators. I think the, the very idea that there should be some middleman curating what ideas we're exposed to is very dangerous. Even even if it were uh, someone who agreed with, with what our personal opinions were, that would, in effect, restrict us from being uh, exposed to many different uh, viewpoints. And that's really something that our country doesn't need, especially among the youth demographic today. It's Phil Dunn who taught the high school course that Eddie took. As a student of media manipulation and author of Media Collusion, Dunn says the key is critical thinking, not pushing curated views. When you talk about media literacy, the the people that want to teach that are oftentimes invested in certain 
um, kind of legacy media outfits, uh, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the, the big three networks, CNN, Fox, all of them would love to tell you what to listen to and, and how to listen to it. And I think you can throw in Google and Facebook as well because it's on the right side and it's chosen and maybe censored and maybe curated. You know, we put quotes around curated. I mean, to be clear, in your class, you don't teach the kids rely on this source, go to nope. the New York Times, trust the Washington Post or Fox News. Nope. What do you teach them instead? How to look, where to look, uh, what to discover about who's telling you what's fake and what's not. I mean, there's a chapter on uh, Snopes in there, and Snopes has its own people that have their own bias. Perhaps best put, we may need media literacy instruction to determine which media literacy efforts are genuine and which may be just attempts to shape and manipulate. What would your advice be to people who hear what sound like well-meaning efforts mm -hmm. to curate their information, mm -hmm. to sort out fake news, to make kids understand media literacy by teaching them in elementary school or middle school or sure. high school? By the way, I'm asking this question, since you can't see the video, of Mickey Huff of Project Censored. I would say, uh, well, one of the basic things is, you know, who benefits from that education, who's forming the curriculum, who's funding it. Uh, if it's coming through government, uh, who's funding the particular sponsors of the bills, who has a seat at the table. And I think the only thing that we really have at the end of the day is our own capacity to think critically and independently. Good advice, I think. Always follow the money. It seems like I learned that pretty on in my media career, particularly when there are big efforts going on and a lot of publicity surrounding them. Sometimes when the efforts are contrary to what you think is common sense or your cognitive dissonance comes into play, if you follow the money, it tends to explain a lot. One relatively new media literacy effort out there is called Media Wise, which aims to educate teens with social media and a teacher curriculum developed by Stanford. They've started a teen fact-checking network and are working with YouTube to produce videos. MediaWise is funded by Google. The news as we once knew it no longer exists. It's become a product molded and shaped to suit the narrative. Facts that don't fit are omitted. Off-narrative people and views are controversialized or neatly deposited down the memory hole. Partisan pundits, analysts, and anonymous sources fill news space, leaving little room for facts. The line between opinion and fact has disappeared. In my new book, Slanted, How the News Media Taught Us to Love Censorship and Hate Journalism, I reveal the struggles inside newsrooms where journalism used to rule. For the first time, dozens of current and former top national news executives, producers, and reporters give insider accounts speaking with shocking candor about our industry's devolution. Buy Slanted today for yourself or as a holiday gift for someone you care about anywhere. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to Full Measure After Hours. Leave a good review, share it with your friends. Also check out my other podcast, the Cheryl Ackeson Podcast, for more interesting off-narrative information on all kinds of topics, including that which is otherwise considered untouchable or censored. 
All summer long, we'll be airing the best of Full Measure while I'm researching and reporting and shooting news stories for Full Measure Season 7 starting in September. You can watch Full Measure on TV. Go to CherylAckison.com and click the Full Measure tab to see the listings to find out where Full Measure plays near you on Sundays. You can also find us anytime by downloading the app STIRR, S-T-I-R-R. You can catch that live on Sundays or you can see replays whenever you want to. STIRR also has other things like movies and local news and other cool programs, all free. And if it's easiest, you can go to fullmeasure.news online anytime, fullmeasure.news, to see replays of the latest program. You can also catch Full Measure live there on Sundays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we post the day's show on Sundays about noon Eastern Time after it airs in most markets. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.